Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I bring you some of the greatest talent in the Central Florida arts community. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show, episode by episode. Well, here we are again. It's another week. I don't know where the time is going. Considering I haven't worked since March, there are there are many days where I am just shocked at how quickly the time passes. It's it's really amazing. But during that time, I am really grateful to have the podcast to do, and I am very happy you tuned in. Thank you so much for being here. My guest this week is James Honey. James is an actor, a writer, a director. He does improv. He does sketch comedy. He he does everything. And he is just super fun, nice, sweet, amazing. I love working with him, and I'm so glad I got him on the show. And uh, I hope you enjoy him as much as I do. And before we get started, I have to give a shout out to listener Rebecca T. Rebecca is a new tutti fruity as in one of the people sponsoring the show through Patreon. Hi, Rebecca! Welcome to the family! If you want to be like Rebecca and support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash facethefactspod, and you can support the show for as little as a dollar a month. Now, moving on to this week's show. James Honey and I watched Season 5, Episode 9, Small But Dangerous, and the original air date was November 16th, 1983. I, I pre-warned you last week that I did not like this episode, that I had expected I was going to hate it as much as I did when it first broadcast, and uh, yeah, absolutely. And not only do I hate the show, I really hate the character of Kelly. And I guess this is a, a trigger warning or an obscenity warning or whatever. Uh, you know I'm not afraid to drop a C-bomb here and there. Well, James and I drop a lot of them in this show. So you know I'm not typically apologetic for my potty mouth language and my snarky middle-aged bitchy queen point of view. But I do want to at least acknowledge that I'm aware we do say it probably more here than I ever have in the past. So that is happening, and um, I think we can get through this together, and you might even agree with me. So, are we ready to jump on in? Let's face the facts with James Honey. Ladies and gentlemen, via Zoom, via the interwebs and modern technology, the man, the myth, the legend, it's James Honey! Hello, everybody! I'm not a singer. Good to have you here, my darling. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, you you know, you sang that. Are you a singer? Do you sing? I'm trying to think if I've ever known you to be like a musical guy. I I absolutely adore musicals. I can carry a tune as a, in a bucket, as they say, I've, but I am <laughs> not. I'm, I, I've never characterized myself as a singer. I'm an actor who can sing. Uh -huh. But uh, I'm yes. not, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, a vocalist. James, we have watched the, did, were you able to watch the episode yes. prescribed to you before we, we tuned in tonight? Of course I did. My goodness. So did you watch the show in the first go round? Are you, were you into the show? I very much was. Uh, as a, 
uh, a teenager, a pre-teenager, a teen, yeah, a teen tweenager. Uh, mm-hmm. I was initially, and I wanted to ask you this too, because I've listened, long time listener, but I haven't seen, oh. I haven't heard every episode of the show, but I absolutely adore it. And oh, I didn't know you listened. Of course I oh, do. Oh, wow, that's sweet. Oh, oh my God. No, it's, you're, you're, you're terribly entertaining and I love the show and I love working oh. in and around any of your adventures. But I did, I did get caught in to the show, if that was your question. I got brought into the show via different strokes like so many others did. Mm-hmm. I uh, yep. was an avid uh, fan of uh, of different strokes, and uh, this when this was coming, I was like, "Mrs. Garrett's leaving. Where the hell could she possibly be going?" Oh, it's only been one season, and then ne- barely got to know her. It's going to be right next door, and at least initially, oh, it's going to be right after this show. So now I have uh-huh. an hour's block worth of watching before they started moving it all over the damn schedule. But mm-hmm. uh, I was I was in. I'm like, oh my god. I'm going to learn so much about <laughs> about not only life, but about the, the the female psyche. This is going to be, but thank you, Edna Garrett. This is going to be mm-hmm. fantastic. Didn't, it wasn't exactly that, but uh, I did think the 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 first season was uh, re- wildly messy and inconsistently shown. So it was hard to keep mm-hmm. track of everything. And yes, then true. Season two came along. I'm like, hey, who's this Joe girl? She mm-hmm. she talks like my neighbors. I like that. Yes, <laughs> being from New Jersey, I always ask my my straight male guests mm. who was the girl you were most into. Wow, man, uh, I got I got to say it was Joe through and through. I mean, Blair's mm-hmm. pretty enough and so forth, and all the girls were lovely. But uh, they also seemed, even though I myself was young, they uh, Natalie and Tootie always seemed too young for me. If I was going to yeah. shoot. For uh, uh, somebody, I'm going to be swinging for the fences and I'm way outside of my league. I might as well go. <laughs> I might as well go for the the older, more experienced gal, anyway. And yeah, uh, but Joe is. I mean, typically, it seems that most straight guys. Mm. I've I've said this before. Most straight guys, you would think they'd be oh, pretty Blair. She's the hot one, the mm. blonde. And more often than not, the straight guys are like, uh huh, Joe, because just because of her no nonsense straightforward bluntness it seems that that really was appealing to a lot of younger guys though i've always appreciated the uh, beauty and sensitivity and so forth of the uh, fairer sex i have two other criteria that just the way i'm built and what attracts me and one of them tomboys tomboys Mm -hmm. uh are much more you've met my wife the more interesting they're much more (laughs) they're more apt to 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 not worry about breaking a nail to actually go out and have yeah. fun in life. But they don't mind dressing up and pretty and up here and there. But between that aspect of it and uh, I realized pretty early on in life, I want, if I'm going to actually be with a girl, I want somebody that I'm not going to have to rescue in a fight. I want somebody that's going to fight with me. I want a Princess Leia that's right there. Yeah. You know? I mean, geez, you got what you ordered, my friend. <laughs> I'm, I told you I'm going to be bugging your lovely wife, the amazing Ginger Lee McDermott. Yay! I'm going to be uh, bugging her next to be on the show because I'm I'm fairly sure she will have a few choice things to say about it herself. Mm, she has choice things to say about everything. 
<laughs> and I love that about her. So before we begin right. the uh, dissection of the episode, I always like to put my guests on the spot and ask uh, if you would please give a one to two sentence synopsis similar to what you might hear in a TV guide to explain mm. season five, episode nine, small but dangerous. I just, I, I'm getting nervous. I mean, I've heard this. You've done this before, but here I have exactly. To, I I'm have like, to, you should know the drill, dude. I have you to should. do this. Uh, the gals at Edna's face a threat from within and without. Oh wow, that's that is like man, <laughs> that's deeper than anything they've ever written in nine seasons. Holy shit. <laughs> That is great. So the episode originally aired on November 16th, 1983. Okay. It was written by Andy Borowitz. This is his second of five episodes that he wrote for this show. Mm -hmm. He would go on to create The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So he had bigger and better things coming up. And uh, it was directed by Asad Kelada, who is the man who directed the majority of the Facts of Life's. So our first scene... For the for this episode, it starts at the shop. We're at Edna's Edibles, and we have a policeman there, and it turns out there has been a problem with vandalism happening with the shop and the building, mm -hmm. and it is disconcerting enough that Mrs. Garrett has contacted the police, and uh, through the young girl, Kelly, who shows up at the store we learn that there is a gang in Peekskill called the Lords of Discipline and that she, because she is a poor kid from the wrong side of the tracks, will speak to them and see if she can help out. And uh, that's that's pretty much what happens in that scene, plot-wise. Mm. But we've got a lot, a lot of things going on within it. It does hit the ground right right. I'm a big fan of starting in the middle and I, mm -hmm. uh, in, in all kinds of shows and performances and so forth. And I, it not necessarily the facts of life, uh, formula. They didn't have a, a cold opening and then the, they, they yeah. run the credits. They would just roll the credits and then hit the ground running with the show. Well, usually you do have kind of a wind up and then you would have had some type of a, an interaction, mm -hmm. Uh, of something, a few, a few quips, and then it would have been, oh no, there's some more painting and graffiti on the side of the building. Well, I guess I should call the police. It's been getting to be a problem lately. Right. And no, no, we are already there. A cop is already there. This is the oddest name for a character. You wonder where writers get their names. This is Officer Z Ziaukas. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's pronounced Ziaukas. Ziaukas. Z. According to IMDb, it is Z-I-A-U-K-U-S. <laughs> very weird name. He's, um, he's they, a very Greek black man, apparently. I was going to say, <laughs> if it had an I-S at the end, yeah. It, it was Ziakis next to Papadopoulos and <laughs> Sarkeesian and all that stuff. But yeah, Hertunian. but the actor who plays him is an African-American actor. The actor is Larry Wilmore. Larry Wilmore was on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, usually in the role of the senior black correspondent. Right on. You mostly would recognize him if he had a shaved head and glasses uh -huh. and was a little more filled out physically. But here, by my uh, research, he is 22 years old. He has a full head of hair. He's not wearing glasses. Mm. And, and the other thing is he is towering. 
over the women. He's huge. He's huge. But he's he so looks... lighthearted the way he's playing the cob. And... Yeah. No, I love it. It's a great performance. Now, I went and looked on the web. The web says that he's only five foot nine, and I just don't think that's right. He's got to be taller than that. The girls... Mrs. Garrett is the shortest at five foot. Okay. And I think the tallest is Blair at five four. Mm. And all the others fall somewhere in between. And he is like a head and a shoulder well, taller than Kim Fields. It's part of the mystery of, of 80s television. that uh, The camera adds 10 pounds and seven inches in height. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more true of the cameras they were using at the time than anything else. Not, yeah. It's not but HD. he does look especially tall and maybe he is really tall but for some reason he's not quite famous enough that his height is all over the internet like yeah, maybe he's maybe a... he's lying about his height <laughs> that he wants <gasps> to seem shorter so that people will hire him and he can just act shorter <laughs> like... <laughs> here's the thing he will be on three episodes total this is the first appearance he will be on two more and uh, currently, at the moment, the project he's been working on, he's done many, many things since The Daily Show, but he is the co-creator and producer of Insecure on HBO, oh, wow. which he co-created and co-produces with Issa Rae. That's been on for four seasons. It's already been renewed for a fifth. It's a show that follows the awkward experiences and racy tribulations of a modern-day African-American woman. And it is originally based on a web series that Issa Rae did called Awkward Black Girl. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Larry Wilmore also has a podcast called Larry Wilmore Black on the Air. So wow, bravo yeah. on him Indeed. that this is where he started out. Yeah. So taking yes. sort of, sort of, yas. <laughs> I'm trying to get my, <laughs> my young kid slang in here. Yas. Yes. Yas, girl. Yes, on fleek. Um, on fleek. Is that still a thing? Is that, I... I'm I'm sure it's not. Fair enough. <laughs> yes. Now, coming into this episode, James, I was yes. already prepared that I was going to hate it. Because oh, yeah. I do remember watching this the first time on network television when I was mm -hmm. a freshman in high school. Mm -hmm. And it's going to happen later. But the way we are introduced to this character, played by Pamela Siegel... Later mm -hmm. known as Pamela Adlon. Did you recognize her? I did recognize her, of course. Mm -hmm. Better she, things on better FX. Better things on FX. Yeah. And she, wait, was she was in Grease 2? That was yes, somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's why yes. I always know. Uh, that's that is absolutely. Know, yeah. She's the kid in Grease 2. Yeah. So we, yeah. So we've had a long history together. Oh, Pamela. <laughs> oh, Pam, Pammy Kins, of and, course. Oh, yeah. Pammy. Anybody with the last name Seagal or Seagal, except yes. for Steven Seagal, because I can't say Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are not alone from mm. what I hear. <laughs> yes. This is the really official. She's already made a quick appearance on the show before. Yeah, she got where, she, uh, like three episodes before this. Mm -hmm. Joe catches her stealing stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's so fascinating because in, in a short bit, she is about to be very mean and do something very bad. And to me, from a writing standpoint, I remember watching it and thinking... No, that is unforgivable. I will never, ever accept her oh, that she is oh. ever reformed or good in any way, shape, or form. Oh, my heavens. Because Don't even... she is mean to Blair a little bit later, and you... Oh, Goddamn, yeah. nobody is mean to my fucking Blair. <laughs> Don't don't get ahead of the story, though. This is I know, okay. I know. And I'm the first one usually going, no, no, stop, I slow down. Pump, I'm getting ahead of it. Pump, pump the brakes. Okay. It's enough that yes. we refer back to that she had that appearance. Now, uh, in... TV time that would have been a month or so earlier that we saw yes. this girl. 
who gets a credit at the beginning of the show. A new regular, because it's like, good God, Tootie and Natalie are now 15 and 16, and that's way too old. We need more kids. And like, who the hell is this broad? And she's in a scene, she steals something, she's gone. I'm like, why the hell yeah. does she get why does she get like above the creator credit to be on this damn yeah. show? She's also in the Halloween episode. She just pops in and pops out where she's trying to grift some candy off of some neighborhood kids. Ugh. So the two times we have seen her before, she is a no-good-nick, a ne'er-do-well. Yeah, she's a hood. A hoodlum, <laughs> yes. a ruffian youth, and I do not like it. Rapscallion and a, a <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible faux Pat Benatar haircut. Oh, yes. The the hair is so, oh, my God. It's rough. But, um, she comes into the store. Just nonchalant. Joe, like she's not, like, nonchalantly, like exactly. She didn't get caught stealing like two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> and Joe kind of lays into her already like, hey, you know, remember, you steal it, you bought it. Joe kind of lays into her and all that, and mm-hmm. she doesn't like it. But then Joe leaves. is like, okay, guys, bye. Go and do my thing and letting her hang out. I mean. She had deliveries to do. In her defense, she had deliveries to do. In my opinion, it would be like, no, you came in the shop, you tried to steal something, go fuck yourself. Get out. Turn right around. You are not welcome here. We all have instructions to kick your ass to the curb, you little fucking piece of shit. Fucking A, and that's Bronx rules right there. But but Joe is learning. (laughs) Joe is learning. That where where's Eastland again is up uh, Peekskill, New York, Peekskill. the mean streets of Peekskill, uh. which have gangs, apparently. Do you remember the name of the name of the gang? The gang is the Lords of Discipline. The Lords of Discipline. Wow. What a heady, brainy name to give oneself if one is just a gang in the streets of Peekskill. Yeah. Do you know where this name comes from, uh, James? I, I know a place that it comes from, and uh, I'm certain that it was not lost on the people who wrote this thing, that there's uh-huh. a, a book and a movie that, a movie that came out in 1983, mind you. You checked it. You looked <laughs> it up as I did. It came out that year about a military mm. educational institute where they are dealing with these harsh hazing uh, rituals that really border on abuse and that are also racially driven absolutely and motivated and uh it was written originally the book was written by pat conroy mm-hmm. homosexuals will recognize the name pat conroy because he's the man who wrote the prince of tides mm-hmm. which would become the barbara streisand movie which most people only know that it was a barbara streisand movie because nobody mm-hmm. reads freaking books anymore read a book <laughs> yeah please Maestro, well, there's if two. You will. <laughs> there, there are, well, there are actually there's two other things before the before we leave here, is that um, at one point Kelly to sort of ingratiate herself to the remaining people because Joe lays into. Oh, her. that is yes. But while she's doing it, she does a lot of flattering of Blair. Mm-hmm. She compliments Blair's hair, and Blair says something to the effect of, "Oh, well, I use this shampoo and." <laughs> I'm worth it. (laughs) That is a reference, of course, to it's L'Oreal. L'Oreal, I think. Yeah. Yeah. L'Oreal hair salon. And I'm worth it. There's so many lovely pop references strewn throughout this. uh... Yep. And another one immediately follows when they're talking about a gang. And uh, Tootie says, you mean like a real gang? Like in Michael Jackson's Beat It video? Yeah. And and Kelly says, yeah, but I think with fewer smoke machines. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's a good line, really. Oh Jesus, yeah, it's it, it is a good line. It's they, they yes. never never short on one liners, whether they they fit the moment or not. So where we've left this is that uh, Mrs. Garrett is like, I think we'll let the police handle it. And Kelly's like, you know what? I, I'm still gonna try to put in a good word for you. And her name, by the way, is Kelly Affinado, A F F I N. A-D-O. So that's Italian. She's an Italian chick. And she's clearly using a pronounced accent, and uh, I'm not sure yeah, if... a little bit of a New York F-inado. kind of huh? Yeah. Is it Nato? Hey. No, it's Effinado. Effinado. And, and if I effin' have to tell you how to effin' pronounce it again... You're gonna effin' regret it. <laughs> exactly. Beautiful. They haven't so, talked about her swip- swiping the ham yet. That's coming... In the next week. Oh, oh, they they do. They talk about her swiping a ham, which I yeah. didn't see in any episodes that she's been in. No, that but never it doesn't happened. matter. It doesn't. It happened off camera, which is fine. And yeah. because her excuse is that I'm sorry, my little brother looks like a ham. That's why she's yeah. Good. And it's like, but but you should have already kicked her out. If there if there was another incident <sighs> of stealing that we did not witness in the context of the show, why the fuck is she even allowed to set foot in the shop? She should be persona non grata. This is the kind of thing you take a Polaroid and stick it behind the cash register. Oh, my God. What a great idea. Yes. Uh, Anyhow, uh, so we go on to the next scene now. We're still in the store. It's a little bit later the same day because they're all wearing the same clothes. Mm -hmm. And we have a little quick comedic business at the beginning with a customer. Please. This guy. Yes, this friggin' guy. (laughs) The joke is he says to Mrs. Mrs. Garrett has got a plate and she's about to dish out. And she says, how much? I think it was chicken. No, pasta salad. Pasta salad. She She says, how much pasta salad do you want? And he says, I would like 50 centiliters. And Mrs. Garrett says, oh, well, we sell it in pints and quarts. Is that okay? And he says, no, it's not okay. I've gone metric and I'm not turning back. And he walks out of the shop. And he is full of righteous indignation. This guy (laughs) delivers it with full vitriol that is like, and I am not going back. And that's just, that's it. That's all we see in this guy. They're just making a social comment about the, the movement towards trying to go metric. Yeah. And I mean, we were in the process of doing it. The 70s and the 80s was the time we as a society were trying. And of course, it never stuck. If you know a Canadian person, let them explain it for you or do the math for you, because (laughs) we're not changing anything about pounds and inches and everything else. I'm sorry. (laughs) Speaking of math and conversion, do you know how much 50 centiliters is, James? Um, 50 centiliters. uh, If I make it is uh, actually... Are you on your phone? Are you no. actually doing it on your phone? Two tablespoons. Two tablespoons? <laughs> no, I You're actually just... have a composition book with a conversion table in the back, and I was trying to look at it really quick. No. But <laughs> I, I always carry a composition you... book with the with the cheat tables in it. Oh. <laughs> Dude, you came that close to sounding really smart. Thanks. Wow. Can you I'm, edit I'm that impressed. part into resounding? <laughs> oh, that's staying. I'm not cutting that out. <laughs> But no, that was such a valiant effort. It was. Um, it's 50 tables. centiliters is, get this, it is 1.05669 pints. It is one pint plus... With uh, with, with two tablespoons. With two <laughs> tablespoons. Exactly. Because 0.05669 pints, it's not quite. So it's two cups or a pint plus not quite two tablespoons. And so it's like, she could have actually said, uh, yeah, 
absolutely, sir. And just shoveled it into one of the pints yeah. and given it to him and been none the wiser. Just had a little but, rounded top or something, but no. Yeah. Mm, they, they, mm-hmm. they, they were making a very quiet political statement. That's what I think they, it is. <laughs> that guy's a well, moron because he wants metric. Uh-huh. Well, here's the thing, James. That yeah. guy is not a moron. Why? That guy is actor Bob Zudiker, T-Z-U-D-I-K-E-R. Oh, that's that rings he a bell. Would, he would go on to be a very well-known writer of many movies that we know very well. He wrote Newsies mm. in 1992. Oh. He worked on the screenplay for The Lion King, oh. The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Anastasia, Tarzan, and 102 Dalmatians. Well, he wrote he, or co-wrote all of these animated classic movies. Well, he could have left. You could have left the hundred and two Dalmatians off, but other than that, and that's so, really impressive. Uh, <laughs> in three weeks, he is going to be a customer. He, he is a returning customer to Edna's Edibles in the Christmas episode. <laughs> so I can't wait to see that. So oh, he boy. is going to be back. Oh, this God. this metric thing wasn't a complete turnoff. Oh, oh, it's he's going to be like the pasta salad. It's too fucking good. I got to go back, man. I got to get my hit. So, after this customer leaves, Kelly comes back. Tootie and Natalie are cleaning the store. She offers to help them clean. It's like, oh, isn't that so nice? And she says she talked to the gang, Mm -hmm. and uh, hopefully that will help. And then Kelly asks the question that many people ask when they tune into the Facts of Life for the first time (laughs) in this season. Mm -hmm. She turns to Mrs. Garrett and says, so what's the deal with this place? Is it a halfway house? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, yeah, you're not wrong for wondering that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because sometimes it does feel like one, as Mrs. Garrett says. (laughs) Yes, it does. So thankfully, she explains the show. I used to be a dietitian at East. If you're just tuning in, episode nine of this season, I used to be the dietitian over at Eastland, and they were my students and blah, blah, blah. So in the course of helping Tootie and Natalie with cleaning the store, this is where we get a little bit of Kelly's backstory. Mm. And we learn that uh, she has seven brothers and sisters. Uh, Her dad's been out of work for two years. They've been on welfare. Mm. They're living in one room, sleeping in the same bed. A big time sob story. And so they figure since she's been so nice and talking to the gang and helping them clean up, Tootie and Natalie, who were already planning to go to a movie offer to take her to the movie with them. Yes. And she accepts first with, okay, I'll sneak in the back and meet you. And they're like, no, we will pay for you. And uh, good line, good delivery mm-hmm. gets a laugh where she says, okay, but I insist I'm stealing the popcorn. Yes. Good line. It was a very good line. And uh, yes. you, you, you accidentally, I'm sure, uh, slipped past the fact that they were on the clock with the cleaning. They only had yes. 15 minutes uh, before the white glove test was going to happen. And if they yeah. didn't pass the white glove test, they didn't get to go to the movies. Yeah, Mrs. Garrett was cracking the whip. <laughs> and She's as clearly said, flustered couple... from this gang violence. <laughs> exactly. And as I said a couple weeks ago, when inventory was the most goddamn <laughs> important thing, uh, in this episode, She's... this cleaning and dusting thing, it's like, the shop's been open for two months at this point. How fucking dusty could it be? <laughs> Jesus. Well, she buys right? a lot of. She's she's brought in a lot of crap that nobody wants. Let's I, face I it. I guess so. She only people. It's, it's a simple <laughs> town. They don't need truffles. They don't need cans of. Uh, what, what was it? What was she swiping? The uh, a pick was it? No, was it pickles or relish or? Well, I mean, like in the that? previous episode, she got an uh, uh, like a 
Uh, oh, yeah, I can't remember either. What's that? Fa- what's fish a... eggs. What are the fish eggs things that caviar. rich people eat? Yeah, they were, she swiped cans of caviar. Is like nobody. Did she? Yeah, nobody. Peak skill wants is going to go down. <laughs> exactly. Oh, we're it's running ridiculous. low on caviar. Let's go down to Edna's and pick up a couple of cans. Yeah. Yeah. And and then let's not even get into the whole. It's a quote unquote gourmet food store. That's what they've called it. Yeah. To give them wide enough berth to have her make it. It's a bakery, but it's also a sub shop. Mm. But she's also a butcher because she stuffs her own sausages there. Yeah. And when it, you call it Edna's Edibles, as Matthew Arder has said many times, it also has to be a drug front. It's just got to be. <laughs> yes. So they've got a lot of shit going on. She's got, she's got, and, keep, she's um, got bills to pay. Don't yeah, be judging Miss Garrett. She lived in the exactly. big city before she moved up here. She got connections. <laughs> but it's like it started because she makes nice it, she it, she makes good strudel it's like th- that's about it really it's Man, like hey. it really could have should have been a bakery once you make your mark you never know which direction they want to go yeah i don't know it doesn't bother me as much i mean i, I guess it's okay the, the the halloween episode we just did with the with the stuffing of the sausages <laughs> and the meat that's i really feel like that was that was a you need to stay in your lane bit really <laughs> Well, I'm just gonna say it. What's 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 Mrs. Garrett's extraction from? Where is she? What what's her what's her family history? What's her? It's it's of course very Midwestern. No, girls, when... I hadn't noticed. Yeah, <laughs> you did your Mrs. Garrett impression for me. I haven't really done it this episode yet. I gotta I gotta get busy here. Well, get busy. But, yeah. Oh, I have one. Actually, I know there's a great one coming up. There's a good one. Great Mrs. Garrett talkie moment coming up. Mm. So, next scene. We are still in the store. We have not left the store this entire act, but it is a different day Mm. because Blair has on a different blouse. Uh, Joe brings in a trash can that is dented. And Blair's like, oh, it's got to be the gang again. Joe's like, there's no fucking gang. After my deliveries today, this is where Joe says, after my deliveries, I'm going to check it out and hit the streets. Use my, my street smarts and if there was get gang, on their tail. Yeah, she said, if uh, this is a Spider-Man reference that the, she actually says, uh, if, if there was really a gang here, I think my street smarts would be tingling. I'm like, yeah, what? that's yes. right. <laughs> Spider-Sense. Yeah, yeah exactly. my street smarts would be tingling. I'm like, hmm. She knights yep. Spider-Man. I'm even deeper into mm-hmm. you and your headband slash ponytail. Talk to me. <laughs> uh, enter Kelly again. It's like, Jesus Christ. And this time, Joe lays into her again. And she's basically like, uh, no, fuck off. Get out of here. Come you, on. You friggin' smurf. Yeah. And she calls her a smurf. And Another she does topical have on reference. a lot of blue denim. Yeah. What? <laughs> Another topical reference. Got to keep those pop yep. things Smurfs, coming. That was very hot, very hot, and very blue in the 80s. <laughs> and uh, so then uh, Joe once again lays into her and insults her 100% with reason. Yeah. You're the little fucking thief, bitch. And I don't know if Joe is aware that she's been getting friendlier with the others. One hopes not. You yeah. almost wish Joe would have said, and hey, I don't know what kind of a scam you're pulling that you got my friends to take you to the movies the other night. But I've told them they are not to do that again. Like, I would have loved it if Joe continued to really sure, sure. that. No, no, no. You are not going to make your way into this family. And I don't appreciate the fact that they went to the movie theater the night before and didn't realize that the Lords of Discipline is a movie that was probably <laughs> <laughs> probably exactly. in the sixplex that they went into, or at least a poster would be up somewhere or another. Yeah. Like, oh, Jesus. 
Yeah, instead they went to Return of the Jedi, probably. Mm. I would have loved if they had said what movie they saw, but yeah, oh well, well, we can't we can't have everything. And then we could turn this into another uh, podcast about Return of the Jedi, but we'll do that another time. Oh no, there there's another five hour yeah <laughs> di- digression here right there. Um, so Joe leaves, and that leaves Kelly alone with Blair, and this is the part where little David was not fucking having it. Oh man, and I still am not having it. Where Kelly suddenly turns on Blair. And is like, I want to talk to you. It's business. And she's like, what are you talking about? And she says, the Lords of Discipline. I'm one of their old ladies. And we need protection money. 50 bucks a week and all of the vandalism stops. Mm-hmm. And Blair is like, that, what? that is ridiculous. I'm calling the police. And Kelly throws one of the jars mm-hmm. of... I don't know if it's pickles or relish or whatever. Pickle relish. Let's just cut pickle the relish. <laughs> Hollandaise sauce. It's it's a it is a I believe what I'm pretty sure James. It's a gourmet food. That's all I can okay. tell you. <laughs> and she throws it on the floor, shatters, smashes a jar of merchandise. Yep. And says, "Hand me over the cash right now, or the next one is going through the window." Mm. And Blair, frightened. And rightfully so, this yeah. bitch threw something on the floor. Blair goes into the register, pulls out the 50 bucks and hands it to her. And out Kelly goes and Blair is justifiably freaked out. Oh, my God. And then and yeah, we go it, to commercial. And it's better. It better be. She she leaves saying you got to keep it coming or else uh, we're going to install some air conditioning. That's which right. Mean, which means break out all your windows. And next yes. time I'd like my service with a smile. And yeah. then leaves. I'm like, what a see you next oh. Tuesday. Are you allowed to say oh. the word on this show? Yeah. Oh, okay. no, I drop the C bomb okay. all the time. All right. Yes, I say the cunt word a lot. Yes. Okay, well, as long as we can say but, cunt, I'm just going to say yeah. that was the exactly. cuntiest cunt no. moves of all the cunt countries. Because, <laughs> golly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it to treat another dark. woman like that. Or anyone. And to treat your certain, elder. So tonally different uh, from so many other things. I mean, they've gotten pretty serious in the show before, but this is so tonally. Oh my God! You the, the sense of dread and yeah. and menace is right there. Yeah, and and, it's and the fact that off-putting. it's exactly and the fact is it's like and she should never have been there to begin. With. <laughs> Joe was right all along. Joe was <laughs> right, and that's really the the overarching thesis of this entire series is Joe is always right. Don't <laughs> fucking ever doubt Joe. Her Bronx street smart spidey sense never is wrong. Trust the tomboy, so, man. Trust the tomboy. Yeah. So it's commercial time, James. When we are at commercial, you know this is where I like to get to know my guests Ooh. and introduce you to my tens of listeners and let them understand a little more about you. Uh. Now, you and I are acquainted because we have worked for many, many years together at wonderful Sleuth's Mystery Dinner Theater. It's very true, yes. Located in beautiful downtown Orlando International Drive area in the shadow mm-hmm. of a giant wheel. Yes, right next to the Orlando (laughs) Eye. And uh, we have worked there together off and on for many, many, many years. It's very true. And yes, indeed, as well as you, like I earlier mentioned, your amazingly talented wife, the wonderful Ginger Lee McDermott. But leave us, turn back the clock, James Mm -hmm. Honey. And let's take a little quick Mick tour. And he just shook his 
I just shook your computer to make a. Yes, that's what I was that doing. Was Thank awesome. you. I'm glad. <laughs> that was awesome. That was. Uh, oh, it doesn't work as well for me. <laughs> but um, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, where uh, about your past and where you how you got here. Where were you born? Oh, uh, well, I was born in uh, beautiful downtown uh, Newark, New Jersey. Uh, Jersey, oh. actually, Jersey City, New Jersey. I always get that wrong because I was very young at the time. But yeah. Um, yeah, uh, let me put this back over here. Uh, Jersey City, uh, grew up the first 10 years of my life in New Jersey. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, 1980, we moved uh, We moved back down to Florida. And from an early, very early age, I always had an interest in the arts in various and sundry ways. And, mm-hmm. and uh, did you go to school? Did you go to the, the college? I did not. For- I, okay, I did and I didn't. Okay. I went to plenty of colleges. I just didn't go. I, I didn't pay to go there. I just went. <laughs> you just went there to buy weed. I went oh, there. As I, I didn't. I uh, no. I would actually. Uh, it was too expensive. I would. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's much, much less expensive at high schools. So you not really. Oh, actually, it is less expensive at high schools, but. I didn't know. So you don't have a degree. You didn't study. I did study, but I didn't uh, I didn't get a a degree. No. Okay. I went right into the school of hard knocks when I finished uh, high school. Actually, I I didn't do a traditional high school thing at all in the sense that I uh, I stopped going to high school about three months out and took my GED. Oh, wow. And it's worth mentioning this because I was working for a living at that point. And I got, in 1988, I got the highest GED score on record. Wow. Because I was a gifted student all the way up to the end of my my high school career. I just had it with with the system and I was full of piss and vinegar. And I went, screw you, I'm taking my GED. Got the highest recorded score, which came with a... Uh, a little uh, stipend of a uh, uh, scholarship to go to Broward Community College. So I used oh. all of that money for theater classes. So I took that's great theater, uh, theater history, theater appreciation, acting, and I burned all of those uh, those credits through. And so then, did you start auditioning for theme parks and attractions I when fi- you finished your schooling? I very much did. Well, it, as it turned out, I le- had to learn to hustle very quickly because uh, this was the latter half of uh, uh, 1989. I got the uh, the scholarship award and started using it for that. And I was auditioning for things in South Florida that uh, people were very kind. I didn't get cast in anything, but I learned a lot mm-hmm. about what uh, some auditioning processes were. And then I. Uh, heard that there was this studio opening uh, up in uh, Orlando uh, called Universal Studios. And I went, oh, my God, Hollywood's coming to me. This is going to be great. And I drove mm-hmm. up, and uh, they had an open house, and I went to it, and I uh, I got hired in what was then called show support, which was just mm-hmm. being a uh, basically an usher for all of the actual shows on Universal property. They hire oh, okay. me. It's uh, February at that point. Uh, or early March of 1990. I get hired, and now I have to, and the place isn't open yet. The place wasn't open. Yeah. So, but I got to show up for work. So, Monday through Friday, I'm in Orlando renting a place. And on the weekends, luckily, my classes were on Saturdays and Sundays. So, I drove back to South Florida oh. to finish my classes. 
Oh, so you were you were double dipping. You were working and studying at the same. That's awesome. From uh, yeah, from March until May when we uh, I graduated the, or at least I got my nine credits uh, mm-hmm. from those classes. And luckily, it ended then because uh, in May we were on the drive up to grand opening of June seventh, nineteen ninety. And wow. And then I started. Uh, there were so many folks that were already very educated in theater departments uh, or or the theater in and around the Orlando area realized very mm-hmm. quickly how rich and, and growing and, and challenging and yet traditional things were uh, at, yeah. at that time with uh, the Shakespeare in the park and the uh, theater downtown. Uh, the Fringe Festival was about to begin. Uh, That's right. The Fringe was a new thing and it's still going. And I, Now, did you work at all with SAC? Was was SAC at all a thing? Uh, it, it, SAC became... Uh, was just uh, becoming a thing in 1991 as well. They were just founding themselves. I did not mm-hmm. get involved with them then. I came to them uh, very much later in the uh, late 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. early but you did, you did work with them. Uh, as I, far I as was invited have. to play with them on a couple of, uh, couple of nights as a, on a trial basis. I did a couple uh, of their late night shows or their night shows. Okay. If anything, I got uh, most of my improvisational training at Sleuths. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's a place. That's absolutely. As it turned out, I was working with a lot of folks at the at the Hitchcock show. God rest his soul. Uh, oh, yes. at Universal, and most of those guys were working over at Sleuth. Said, uh, "Come on out." So you learned a lot of your skills by doing. You, I, I got thrown in. The I mean, bed. I mean, you did study, but oh yeah, uh, but you did a lot of it by doing, as as many of us also have. And and you've also gotten into directing and writing and I, my uh, major launching fo- your own sketch show. Thank you. Yes, I, that's where I really cut my teeth was learning it, getting thrown in the deep end of sleuths and being on the butt end of a lot of jokes until I could figure out how to stand on my own. And <laughs> uh, uh, I just kept learning and learning by doing as much as I could and uh, auditioned mm-hmm. around. Good old uh, blessed uh, long lost civic theater. Uh, became a very big uh, influence on me as well. Oh and, yeah. Uh, continuing, I always have been a voracious reader and uh, got mm-hmm. plenty of uh, books and time and watched shows and did try to live and breathe the grease paint as much as humanly possible just to absorb. Mm-hmm. And I was very lucky to be around so many, so many talented people. Like too too long a list to to put here. Yeah. But same here. That's I I am nothing without the community that that made me and helped me to uh, get to where I was able to stand on my own and, and be, be castable and have a, a, a competent skill set. Mm-hmm. And that now there was also a brief time that I remember you and Ginger uh, went off to Chicago. Yes, we uh, and back. And uh, am I correct that at that time you were working with Second City? That's correct. Uh, that's where I got some of the most formalized training that I've ever gotten. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I brought uh, all my culmination of experiences to them. Like we got to, if if not now, when? Let's go to Chicago. Uh, it's got yeah. Steppenwolf. It's got uh, uh, Chicago Shakes, and, and Second City is a mecca for me. So all in, all my chips on one mark. I'm going in Second City. Right? Yeah. And I skipped all the regular programs, went uh, right into the conservatory, and uh-huh. uh, was uh, trained by the artistic director from said conservatory uh for Mm -hmm. most of my education there and it it was phenomenal and learned a lot and then kept going out and doing stuff all around town and having to work three jobs so that i could make that happen because it's even worse in chicago 
your actors are yep. literally a dime a dozen. That's... What we would make at 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 Sleuths for one show, you would get a third of that at a dinner theater show in Chicago. So Eek. it was not uncommon to just do you you would work five nights a week for twenty bucks a show. Wow. Uh, and how long were you guys there? We were there for eight years. Uh, I went through the director's program in Chicago as well, and that went really mm -hmm. really well. And we just got to a point where this was it's it's a little it's a little nepotism. I mean, every town is. Mm -hmm. Oh God, yeah. Like, let's go back to where family is, and we can always come and just do some work in Chicago and go back and forth. The so community did. here is. I've spoken and sung its praises so many times. We are so lucky to have such a a rich, vibrant, uh, well stocked, and supportive community here. I I can't imagine uh living or trying to work anywhere else i hope i don't have to right <laughs> well james as uh as a really super gifted uh improvisational actor as well as an actor actor and director and writer we both have had uh the distinction of working on sleuth shows mm -hmm. and uh, writing scripts for them as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always love whenever we perform together. I love when we just chit chat or hang out in the green room. I am so thrilled to have you here on the show. Thank you for making the time. Oh, my pleasure. But James, yes. enough about you. Damn right. We have to get back to the facts of life and what is going to happen with this conundrum oh. with this little mm. fucking bitch. bitch who just threatened our Blair Warner. That bitch. Only we can threaten Blair Warner, not that bitch. <laughs> exactly. So we start, they're all in the living room and Blair is recounting. She is mm. saying, uh, Kelly said, if we don't pay her 50 bucks a week, that we won't have protection and Joe they're going like, to repair the air conditioning she says yeah incorrectly what <laughs> you don't know street talk and there's also a line mrs garrett looking straight ahead with one of her words of wisdom says i know poverty is hard but still you don't steal yeah. <laughs> bravo and <laughs> there's and the garrett it's really there's a the the Milwaukee the Wisconsin oh, is yeah. strong in this one oh, boy. where she says poverty <laughs> with a real hard yeah. R is hard and she says but still yeah yeah don't steal 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 and then very subtly behind her head there's a little star that goes by the part you know <laughs> exactly mm -hmm. the, is oh is really is that the lesson poverty is hard but don't steal mm -hmm. thumbs up so um but we don't end the episode called... there because you know why would you <laughs> no of course not so mrs garrett says i'm gonna go call the police and she goes in the other room joe is like really i'm gonna track her down myself and get the money back with interest and do you know, did you notice, James, what she uses, what her big tracking down secret device was? The phone book. The white pages. Yep. Dum, dum, dum. Damn, see, kids, you don't know. You don't know. Yep. They were free Those resources were the delivered to your house multiple times a year. They weren't just for short people to sit on to make them taller. Or for strong people to tear in half to impress a lady. <laughs> Or to cut up with a brand new Ginsu knife you bought from the television. Ooh, and a can right after. Because <laughs> you, you need to cut cans in half. That's an important skill that I, you use. I can't daily. go a week. <laughs> yeah. 
So then we go from this to the next scene. And this is a, uh, for 1980s, I believe it is a middle to upper class apartment. Mm -hmm. It's a very sitcom set, but it is clearly not a slum. No. And there's some weird 1970s funk music playing. I don't know what the fuck the deal is with that. I don't know what that, that was at all. It was very 70s, but it was it, loud. It, it was clear. Well, whatever it was, uh, I'll tell you, it was free for the show. Yeah. To put on. <laughs> it was by my favorite artist, Public but Domain. domain. <laughs> and now so, Kelly's uh, wearing a uh, sort of proto-mall outfit with the, the denim skirt yes. and the... And a blouse... And definitely not the way she looks, the way we typically see her with her tougher garb and her blue jeans and stuff like that. And there's even an audience. Oh, when she comes out, it's like, oh, fuck, she's not living in a slum. This is her place. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. Which is a so double then, fuck you. I'm just going to say I was right there with that audience to have this, this yeah. disappearance go. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What is this it's twist? Like on top of all that... Is this is this going to be a poor little rich girl thing? Oh, you best or not. Uh, you best or not. Oh, man. But the thing is, Joe, it's like, ding dong, she opens the door, and it's Joe. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I am sorry. I have never more wanted to see Joe finally make good with punching somebody. Joe did punch Blair at the end of last season. Yes. And I hated it. But Aww. this one, I wanted to see physical. I wanted her to to call down the thunder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. You fuck with Thor, you get, get the, the hammer. hammer. So uh, she says, "Oh, wow, nice place. Never seen a designer slum before." Good line. Yes, and so basically, in Joe's confrontational, you better explain yourself. What the fuck is this? Mm -hmm thing her response is and the rest of the timber of this whole scene suddenly changes gears where kelly is like well you called me a smurf and you you just call me names and like twerp and you got me mad and joe is like and and joe i mean shouting screaming oh, yeah. nancy mckeon it was i i think i was at a half chub i was really <laughs> really Bravo. It was so awesome. <laughs> she just screams, if you're mad at me, you take it up with me. And basically saying, you do not fuck with the place I work or with my friends. Damn right. God, I love Tough Joe. She was just and laying then, down the law, man. And then Kelly comes back with this argument where it's suddenly like we're in a different show where we're listening to two sisters fighting with, uh, you won't talk to me. Uh, you just call me names and tell me to take off. And da, da, da. This and Joe's like, bitch, you were stealing shit five weeks ago. Yeah. And three weeks ago, you were trying to grift candy from trick-or-treaters. Anyway. And now you're busting really... up and taking money and stealing. Give me the damn dough. Yeah. And, and, and Kelly presents this as though this is some type of a valid justification for what has happened. Yeah. And so Joe is like, give me back the fucking money. I'm paraphrasing. And Joe holds out her hand yeah. like fork it over, bitch. Mm -hmm. And Kelly has the audacity. audacity. Little cunt. Oh and what does God. she do? You t you talk. She puts it. She puts it on the table. She goes right past her hand and puts it on the coffee table in front of her. Doesn't even put it in the hand. You little 
Son of a bitch, bitchy McBitchalot. Little fuck, I hate you. Yes. Oh, ah. I'm getting agitated myself over here. Holy shit. Yeah, exactly. Joe leaves her with the warning. Yeah, so Joe picks up the money and she says, remember, if you even think about coming into the store again, you can forget about breathing. breathing. <laughs> Another great and line. She fucking means it. Damn right. I'm does. like, yes. And this is the point where we should have never, ever seen Kelly again. Ever again. That should have been the last time. Yeah, I would have been so, fine with it. So then the next scene, we go back to the store. And uh, while we're in the store, who comes in the front door, James? It's Kelly. The one who literally had her life threatened. Two Don't you beat ever. Before. Yeah. Fucking. But it come gives, back. I, I, I excuse this for uh, comedic dramatic license because the minute she walks in the door that uh, uh, Joe gets to deliver is like, hey, you're standing in the store and you're breathing. One of those things has got to stop. Yes, it's great. Yes, and I'm like, make it happen. I want to see it, and I will applaud. Her outfit is really 80s-tastic. Mm-hmm. We're talking the high-waisted jeans, but the short, not longer than capri length, but not full length. It was that weird length. She's got on these burgundy boots. She's dressed more like her, clearly not in the costume of the tough chick she was trying to, to pretend, pretend to, to be. be. Yeah, The baggy, long denim panel jacket with the puffy rolled up sleeves it's a, yeah it's a proto mall rat is what, yeah what they would that's what that yeah going to the mall wear it's it, yeah. it's kicky and casual yet very fashionable yeah and in response to joe telling her uh, i'm about to make good on the threat that i very clearly stated to you she turns and says mrs garrett are you gonna let her threaten me like that mrs garrett says uh well why not? She's really good at it. <laughs> or something to that yes, effect. Yes, 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 you're right. <laughs> Mrs. Garrett's like, no, I want to watch this bitch rip out your jugular. I'm going to grind up your fucking bones in the sausages I should not be making <laughs> should not here. not be making. But, you know, Oktoberfest yes. is coming up, so we should, because it's all year long. For the, <laughs> yeah, for the, it was, it was bratwurst season. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is that um, she she then comes out with lines. The writing just goes into such this. Again, we're in this sort of like spoiled sibling snippety talk. You guys aren't giving me a chance. Just for you to tell and, seven and nine lies, and then you don't give me a chance to explain myself. What? No, yeah. no, no, no. Blair does have a great line. Blair Lisa Welch's comedic timing is so perfect. Mm. Blair walks up to her, head held high. Goes right up to her and says, I'm not afraid of you anymore. Yes. And then walks away from her. <laughs> it's beautiful. And it and it closes their arc together. That's what I need it's, to do. It's lovely. But, and uh, perfect comic timing. I love Lisa Welchel. But then you guys aren't giving me a chance. Mm-hmm. I gave the money back. Can't we start over? And Mrs. Garrett doing that low, screamy talk of hers. Mm. Why? You've been nothing but trouble. You lied. You broke shit. You extorted money. (laughs) And it's like, girl. (laughs) But I mean, and then she says, (laughs) Kelly says, what am I supposed to do? My parents are always out and I'm stuck alone in that apartment. I I just wanted to have a place to hang hang out. out. And Mrs. Garrett softens. 
see, okay, this is where I got to put this in here. What the, okay, Facts of Life generally deals with some kind of societal ill or some kind of uh, interpersonal dynamic concern. That's what or I, a lesson to be learned. It's the topic of the week. I get it. That's the that's the dynamic. This is the this is the covenant under which we are watching the show with you. And then what the fuck problem is this? What in the I, fuck? How how are you possibly going to garner any sympathy for fucking tired, uh, bored teenage girl from a, a upper yeah, middle poor class? Poor rich girl. Poor little latchkey rich kid. Oh, the poor thing. Is a fucking compulsorily serial liar that for doesn't yes. isn't enough to that it's just a blathering of lies. Resorts to actual stealing and uh, breaking shit and 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 extorting people. money. I mean, co- literally committing crimes. These are literal crimes. Yes. How rampant was this in the eighties that we needed to talk about? This was a. Is it because yeah. of mazes and it, monsters? Is that it? Is it because it was it was a, so such a problem that people are playing role playing games and they they turn into them and this is the they just watch some. Uh, it's the satanic panic. Yeah. God. No, you're right. You're so right that it's like what it's like. The lesson of this is, what, don't be a fucking stupid adult when a lying piece <laughs> of shit child comes into your life and let them in your life or, I'm you know. I'm all for second chances. I'm all for, but but these infractions are far too serious. But but far too serious. Okay, but this is where the turn comes when she's talking to Joe for me. That I yeah I have no other excuse for and would not abide anything except for her explanation as to how Joe is her hero. Yes, she does say that. Yeah, when Joe used to work at the bike shop, that she watched her and noticed her. And, of course, there is this little touch of, and I said, I want to grow up to be a lesbian just like That's you. That's totally it. That's it. She's in love with her and doesn't know how to deal or process mm-hmm. with those things. So she goes off of completely dumb bourgeois stereotypes to pretend to be a thug, to ingratiate herself yeah. to the thing that she has unexplained affection and drawing sexual power from. That I buy. It, that I buy. Oh, oh <laughs> that you buy. And Mrs. Garrett says, I'm not running a home and I'm not a parole officer. And she says, I won't steal from you anymore. And Mrs. Garrett says, do you promise? <laughs> and Kelly even says, I'm gathering that a promise is a big deal for you. Like, yeah. like if I say, I, 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 it's like, uh, if I, if I say yes, I'm going to have to mean it. Right. Yep. That's all it is. It's like, Fuck. Yes. Bitch, (laughs) she's about to give you, you almost have your foot back in the door. (sighs) And we get Mrs. Garrett. Well, you never tried telling us the truth. How do you know how we would have reacted? If you want my friendship, Mm. you're going to have to earn Earn it. And... And, and stop lying. Give people a chance to get to know you. Maybe they'll like you for who you are. Oh, f- yeah. You know what also? You know what also helps? Don't throw shit on the floor. Yeah. Don't deface people's property. Don't steal money. And don't threaten people. And that's just With it. violence. That's what I'm going to go with. Actions speak louder than fucking words, cunt. Yeah. Stop breaking shit. <laughs> Stop taking a broken glass, metaphorically it's... picking up broken glass and holding it to to blare until she takes money out of the register. Oh, my God. It uh. was, yeah. 
it's like that. And here's the other thing I'm going to add. Uh, <clears throat> the, but just to wrap this up, yeah. the episode ends with um, Joe, with her actually saying, Joe, I look up to you. And Joe being like, Joe softening and saying, well, okay, I'll give you another chance too. And then Kelly grabs her arm and jumps and down and tugs. Oh my God, really? Thank you, thank you. And then we get the punchline of the episode. Okay, okay. I think I liked you better when I hated you. <laughs> Freeze. And Freeze. Jump in the air, punch fist. And replay music and show scenes from uh, the previous half hour. Yeah. I mean, there's that. Damn it. But here's another writing issue of all this, of all these complaints of how enraged, I'm so happy you are as enraged as I am. I really am. About this. But of all the ridiculous cases she was making for herself that, to me, should have elicited 0.0 sympathy, mm. at no point in this entire episode do the words, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry come out of her mouth. I feel like this is, it has to be, it have to lay the the fucking blame on the writers here, man, that they just, yeah. they, got, oh, yeah, they, totally. were, they had it's to be, writing, un, it's a writing problem. Yeah, all this shit happens and she drops all this info on Joe about what her motivations and secret uh, things were and how much she wanted to be in. Licking the cooter, yes. I made a bunch of mistakes and I'm sorry and then leaves because it's the right thing to do. Yes. Then I wouldn't mind it if she shows up later in another episode or whatever. Then, then because that bridges can be built because she chose to do the right thing. But that's not what and, happened. Right. And here's the other thing. Joe came in with a dented trash can earlier. Mm -hmm. That did it. What would have been great is if she showed up. Fixed it. With a jar of pickle relish and a full brand new trash can. And a can of paint to fix the... And a can of paint to cover up the graffiti. To have her say, I am here to make good and fix and correct what I did. Mm. That would have gone leaps and bounds and miles for them to be like, like you said, actions speak louder than words. She's just whining. So, James, before we end uh, our time together here, you know that I always like to end the episodes with asking my guest to name a classic commercial, throw out any type of a commercial or a jingle, maybe mm. from your childhood or just out of your brain place. Uh, one that I always go to, which because I was always super proud of it because it helped me uh, process things uh, as a child. And I'm sure other people have chosen this commercial as well. But my baloney has a first name. <laughs> it's O-S-C-A-R. My uh -huh. baloney has a second name. It's B-M-A-Y-M-E-Y-A-R. M-A-Y-E-R. M-A-M-A-Y-E-R. See, it's the, it didn't stick, but it helped me at the time. <laughs> but, I, but I still can, and I have to sing the song if I'm ever going to spell baloney. Do it. B-O-L-O-G-N-A. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's... And that commercial ran for ever. Mm -hmm. Like it went away and then it came back because it is just like adorable little boy sitting on a dock with a fishing pole. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's just so, it is so simple and so unplugged. He's singing live on the set. Yeah. So his little fishing you know, pole, the, which is just a string, if I remember, a string yeah. attached to a stick. <laughs> yeah. And then it just cuts back to him going, how's that? Yeah. It's like, oh. And I could relate. Whatever every... happened to that kid? I have to look that Please up and see do. what happened to him. Nobody else has done that commercial? Are you kidding me? In 80 episodes? No. 
I don't believe they have. I do not believe so. I've had duplicates, and that's not, that one I don't think has come up at all. Yay, me. It has. I'm already forgetting. Oh, fair James, enough. my darling, thank you so much. Thank you. It is so great to see your face what while a... we're still not out and about completely. Right. And thank you so much for being such a kind host. And uh, I had a, a blast. This is so much fun. And I could probably talk for three more hours about a half-hour program with you. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we will have to do this again sometime, but until that, smooches and mm. goodbye. Thank you, love. Bye. And there you have it. That was James Honey. Just a great guy, a great talent, and I'm so glad I got him on the show. And I can't wait to have him back. Next week, I'm going to be watching Season 5, Episode 10, Store Games. And I'm going to have another very special guest, Mr. Cole Neesmith, who is the man behind the Creative City Project that produces Immerse, a huge interactive art festival in downtown Orlando, every single year. So, check out the links in the show notes and at the show's webpage, where you can see the episode for free at dailymotion.com. That's all, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle FaceTheFactsPod. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash FaceTheFactsPod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs>